If you are just joining us, we are in the middle of a series. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Um, we're in the middle of the series, Back to the Future. We've been playing some clips and uh, flashing back to the 80s. Remember the 80s, most of you, as I look around the room, do. And we had a DeLorean here last uh, week. That was pretty sweet. Uh, the doors came open. It amazing. Good stuff. Uh, and you're probably going, why in the world are they doing this? If you've never been to this church before, I got to tell you, we kind of like to have fun around here. We think church can be fun, and we can have a good time. We can laugh a little bit and uh, learn a little bit about our, our Lord and sing a lot and uh, praise Him. And uh, next week's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be 80s Flashback Sunday, okay? 80s Flashback Sunday, and we are inviting you to wear your 80s clothes next week, okay? Now, I know some of the, the dads, the husbands in the rooms are going, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> hey, if we all do it, it'll be a lot of fun. And we'll just promise not to post anything uh, and, unless there's written permission uh, on Facebook. But join us next week. I remember back in the 80s, I thought the coolest thing, I don't, do you remember, it was kind of the late 80s, uh, silk shirts. Uh, do you remember those when they came out? They were the silk kind of rayon-y looking shirt. I thought they were the coolest things. I had a purple one. And... Uh, let me tell you, when you have a purple silk shirt and you're about 10 years old and 12 years old, you sweat, perspire even more. That's not a good combination, especially if you have not discovered the undershirt yet. And so it was just, it was, you don't have to wear your silk shirt, but let's wear something fun next week and have a good time. Uh, but we're in this series, Back to the Future. History is about to change. And uh, just a quick review to catch up everyone. We love the 80s, a lot of great movies. This movie is from the 80s. And, and what we thought about was this. This is kind of the premise is, what if we could jump into a sweet all-metal car, a DeLorean, and go not to the past, but actually to the future and take a look and see what the future looks like? And that's been my prayer. My hope for you and for your family is that you're going to get a vision for your future. If you continue on the projected path of the way that you're living, the way you're going, what is that future going to look like? And maybe we need an aha moment. We need, maybe we need a moment of saying, you know what? I need to change some things. Things need to change. If I want to, to do and to be what God wants for me and to have for my life, then there's some things that, that need to happen. And this kind of this theme verse for us for this series is this. Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And we talked about two things last week. Kind of the two points we kind of landed on were this. In light of what God has for you, and we believe that God has a hope and a future for you, for your kids, and for your family. In light of that future and what God wants for you, what is something that you need to focus on right now to affect change in the future or the future of others? And with that in mind, what do I need to start doing? What do I need to start that's going to it's going to start that change or be a catalyst to that change and to incorporate and to capture the future that God has for us. We talked about, you know, kind of the habits and disciplines that we all need. And discipline is one of those words that uh, don't, don't really care for sometimes, but it's, and I love this definition of, that I heard this week. I actually was listening to sports talk radio and someone said this. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. 
I love that. What you want the most. And so making good choices now, habits forming for that's going to affect your future and the future of your family. And uh, some of us, we kind of combated some of the excuses that we have. And we thought, well, it's just too, too late. I'm just kind of who I am, and that's the way it is. And I love this quote from C.S. Lewis, and it says this, You're never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream. And that was our, our focus for, for last week. Good, big plans for us that God has for us, that God wants us to, to get a hold of, to see in our future, and to start running that direction with our lives. There is a problem, though. This is great. This is a good message. Hope, future, we love it. We're excited about what God's going to do. I'm excited. I think God's going to teach us along the way and has been teaching us. Hopefully, you started something this last week. But there's kind of a problem. And, and I hate to just throw the problem out that early, but there are things that stand in the way of, of what the future is for each of us. They're, they're monsters. They are these bullies, if you will. I've come to the conclusion that everyone has a Biff. Now, some of you are saying that I am Biff. Uh, I don't know why I looked at you there, George. Uh, but you're saying, you know what, back in the day in high school, I was the Biff. But I was never Biff, by the way. I was never big enough to be Biff. But some of you are saying, well, man, I don't, I don't really think I do. But all of us have Biffs. All of us have bullies. All of us have giants. And they're things that are most often invisible in our heart and lives. And, and this is kind of our definition of, of what we're going with with Biff this morning. Biff are things that are keeping us from the full life that God has for us. Biff is, is the thing that we are tolerating in our life that we should not tolerate any longer. Any longer. This Biff, these things, are things that are, are name callers. They intimidate there are things that creep into our lives slowly, and they want to establish a foothold in your life, in your world. And before you know it, you're allowing it to happen. You're allowing things to, to influence you, to control you, to mess with what God has for you. We have an enemy. John 10.10 10 tells us about that. The thief comes to steal, kill, and I just went all uh, southern on you there, kill. Did you hear that? I'm sorry, I'm going to back up. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That was Alabama, I'm sorry. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. To have it to the full. That's God's plan for us, to have a full life, not to be influenced by these biffs, the enemy in our life. And the problem with biff is this, that giants don't go away. Bullies don't go away. They don't just evaporate. If, if Bill O'Brien is worth his salt as a coach next week, that's the coach of the Texans, by the way. Uh, next week is we're playing the, who are we playing next week? The Redskins. Thank you very much. If we find out that Arian Foster can run up the middle every time for 10 yards, guess what Bill O'Brien should do? Run up the middle every single time until they stop us. Okay? If that's the weakness, if that's the point, then you should keep running the route. If the enemy has a, has a foothold in your life, a giant that is working, a bully that is intimidating and taking away the future for you and what he has for you, he's gonna keep working that angle. He's gonna keep going that direction. They never go away, do they? And even they stick around even 30 years into the future. Let's see this, this next clip. I think about bullies and giants. There's a biblical story that I, I just... 
I, I couldn't get around. It's the one that maybe is one of the most popular stories that's out there, David and Goliath. I mean, if you talk to anyone, if this is probably your, maybe your first time here today, you probably know the story of David and Goliath. It's got to be like one of the top five biblical narrative stories that are there. Why do you think it's so popular? Why is, it, is that the one that we like, we, we sink our teeth into, we, we love so much? Share your theories real quick with the, the person beside you. Why do you think David and Goliath, why do we like it so much? A lot of possibilities. I, I, I personally think it's the, the Rudy underdog story that's out there. It is the uh, Russian versus Rocky in uh, the Rocky, which is a great movie from the 80s. I'll break you. Is it I'll break you or I'll break him? I'll break. What was the Russian's name? Ivan Drago? Did you? S- <laughs> that should have been an 80s trivia question. But uh, we like the, the Rocky versus the huge uh, giant uh, story. Uh, we, we see it in a lot of, or let's see, Danielson versus the Cobra. Co- yeah, there we go. The crane, you remember that? That was the 80s, wasn't it? It was, yeah. We even have a song, if you remember back in the day, think back to kids' time where David was a little boy, only, do you remember that song? Only a boy named David, only a sling, only a boy named David, something about a babbling brook, maybe, and he would put the stone in the sling, and the sling went round and round, and one little stone went into the sling, and the sling went round and round, and round and round and round and round and round and round. All right, okay, uh, we're there. And the giant came tumbling down. <laughs> Don't forget about that part. The giant came tumbling down. Uh, but there's this story, and we, we, we celebrate the story. It's a great story. And, and I just want to remind you a little bit. You probably know the story. It's in your mind, and, and that's great. First Samuel 17, if you want to flip in your Bibles or on your phone, that would be great. That's where we're going to be living for a little bit here this morning. But the, the scene is this. There's these two hillsides, and there's a valley, the Valley of Ella. And in the valley, in the middle of the valley, there's a, a little brook or creek. And on one side, one hillside, we have the army of God. We have the Israelites, the people of God. And on the other side, we have their arch rivals, the ones that are represent, always represent evil in the Bible. It's the Philistines. And all throughout the Old Testament, you see this Israelites versus Philistines. And they're getting ready to fight. They're getting ready to, to, to duke it out. And, and what happens when you get ready to fight? You, you just kind of size each other up. I went to a football game uh, this Thursday, and, and you just see it. I mean, at the beginning of the game, they're just like, you know, they're just looking at each other. And they're like, from the other end side of the field, they're just like, you're mama. You're, no, you're mama. And just, they're trying to get on their tippy toes and look bigger and dance around. And I even hear the dads, just some in the crowd, Man, they look kind of big over there. And uh, so they're just kind of sizing each other up. And this is the pre-battle stuff. And uh, just who's bigger and who can do what, if run faster or whatever. And there's that moment these two armies are, are looking at each other. But then so- something happens. Someone comes out from the Israelites or from the uh, Philistine side, this mammoth person. We know about him, Goliath. And remember how tall he was? How tall? Nine feet tall. 
a nine-foot-tall giant, huge. And we always, of course, back in the day, we talked about how, how much his armor weighed. Do you remember that, how much? A hundred and... 125 pounds, 125 pounds is armor weighed. And just the tip of his, the spear, it weighed 15 pounds. And he's just a huge guy. And he basically comes out and he says this, I am a champion, I am the champion, and why don't we just settle it right here, right now? You send the best. You send your champion and we will fight here at this valley and everyone will witness it. And whoever wins... Their side wins. It's just a, a one-on-one match. And we don't even need to fight this war. It's just one-on-one. And, and whoever's victor will. And he would come out and he, he just declared this. And along with that came some insults. Because when anytime there's a fight going on, there's some insults. There are some, there are some your mamas uh, in there. There are some, you know, toe-to-toe, nose-to-nose kind of things. And he throws some insults. And he's not just insulting them. He's insulting their God as well. And what happens? No one goes out to meet him. In fact, what's the reaction? Scared to death. Saul, the the leader of the Israelites, is scared to death. Everyone is frightened. In fact, it says they were terrified and they were deeply shaken. And this continued for 40 days. Every day he would come out and he would say, who is man enough? Who can face me? Who will, will, will be brave enough to come out? And the reaction was the same, fear and trembling, fear and trembling. Can I tell you, everyone has biffs. Everyone has giants. They look different for each person, but I believe everyone does. And they come in different forms, and they come in different shapes, and they they look different. But some of the effects are the exact same. There are some giants in the room today, and they need to go down. There are some biffs, and that's the title of the sermon, a biff must go down. Biff must go down. There's some giants. There's some big ones. To be honest, there are some addictions in the room, in the house today, that need to go down. And when we think addiction, what do we first think? We think, we think alcohol and drugs, don't we? We think they're alcoholism and drugs. And those are definitely, man, those are some powerful giants. Those are some beasts in people's life that just seem to be too hard to overcome. I heard of a pastor friend of mine just about a year or so ago, out of nowhere, didn't see it coming. He confesses that basically... He's been a slave to a giant for the last 20 years of his life. He had, could not go a day without a drink that led to other things in his life. And I, just no one knew about this. It was just like this hidden thing in his life. And he, had, he resigned just because he was just such a slave to it. And thank the Lord he's gotten victory over that. But alcoholism is a huge giant in people's life. So are drugs. We know that. We see that in the effect of people. But it's not just narcotics. Do you know that 70% of our country right now is on some kind of prescription medicine? And we know that they're for good reason. We know that prescription meds are are obviously very useful. But if we're honest, there are a lot of people that are self-medicating. We're the most over-medicated society right now, a group of people in U.S. history. There are a lot of things that are these giants in our lives And it's not just these big things that we think of. Some people are addicted to spending. 
Some people are addicted to spending. That's the way they're like, okay, there's things that are crashing in my world and I just need to go buy something. I just need to go buy something. I need, I need to, to spend something. I need to get something. And that's kind of the, the fix that they have. And, and maybe we need to kind of clear up what this whole addiction thing is really about. It's something that controls us. It controls us. So for example, the, the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, there's this scene where a guy comes up and he's very rich. And he says, how can I get to heaven? Do you remember that story? Maybe you do check it out in Matthew 19. And he basically says this, Jesus does. Well, have you followed the commandments? Oh yes, I've followed every commandment since I was young. And Jesus gives him this one thing. He says, well, go and sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. What's the guy's reaction? His face falls, he turns around, and he walks away from Jesus. Here is this moment where Jesus makes it very clear and says, here, I am leading you. I'm guiding you to do something, to be obedient. And he could not do it because that was the thing that controlled him. That was the thing that was really, honestly, his God, that he could not give up. If there's something in your life that you can't give up or you can't let go of, that's a giant. That is becoming in the place of, it's getting in the way of who God wants you to be in your life. For some of us in this room, we are addicted to accomplishments. There was a moment for me, I remember when I was eight years old, the first year I played soccer, I got one of these cool little trophies, and I was like, this is amazing. You get a trophy for doing good things, and you get like this thing in your, your veins, you're like, I, I, I want to accomplish things. And you're going after trophies, and you want to always be first. And that leads to things that I've found, like workaholism. I don't even know if that's a word, but I'm going to make it a word. Workaholism, that you find yourself at the dinner table, and you can't help but check your emails. Because you don't want to miss a thing. Until you hear the voice, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. Daddy, and you realize that she's been calling that name out for the last few minutes, and you're so here. You control us. Addictions. Lots of addictions that, that are probably in the house today. There's addictions to people. It's addictions to, uh, you know, the fact that, you know what? I, I'm going to text him. I'm going to text him. I'm going to wait and see if he, he texts me back. Hasn't texted me back yet. I'm gonna wait a few more minutes. And I'm gonna wait again. Nope, still hasn't texted me back yet. Addicted to people. In, in fact, there, there's just something I think maybe that someone in the whole room, all of us are, are so susceptible to, we're addicted to what people think. Uh, I'm gonna do something real quick. This is what we're, it's called, unfortunately, it's known best as a selfie. Here we go. Uh, we got it front row there. All right, now what happens is this. Those of you, I know that you all, most people know what's happening in here, but I'm gonna throw it out to you. I'm gonna take that picture. Uh, nice pose there, Johnny. Uh, and I'm gonna put it on Facebook. All right, I'm gonna post it on my Facebook page. And I'm just gonna put, I, I can't think of anything clever. I'm just gonna say hello. And I just posted it. Now, social media has patched into this addiction for us that we need and we need people's approval. We need, uh, we're just kind of like 
really collars. There's an invisible collar to this device here. Because what happens is people will post something, a picture on Instagram or a very, very witty comment on Twitter. And they, they, these guys at Facebook and Instagram, they're extremely smart because they know about this addiction. And, and what happens is, just like I'm doing right now, I'm going to go and check my Facebook. I'm going to see how many likes do I have for our awesome picture. All right? And some of you are getting on Facebook right now. Some of you have been on Facebook, let's be honest. Okay? You haven't, you haven't gotten off since we got in this room. All right? So there it is. I already got one like. Okay? Now, what you can do on a lot of phones is what I'm going to do right now. Refresh. No comments yet. Mm. All right, I'm going to keep hoping for more likes. Two likes. Yes. Now, a few hours later, what happens, if you, maybe if you're, if, you're, uh, if you're okay enough that you can put the phone down enough, but guess what you're going to do later on? I wonder how many likes I got on that picture. I wonder if anybody commented. Why hasn't anybody commented yet on my picture? This is a, I'm going to put a new like, filter on this picture to make it look better, and then I'm going to re-release it. And... Addicted, what's that? Oh, I got a comment? Wait, I didn't refresh. I got to refresh. And we, we kid, but you know this is a reality. And this is just a microcosm. This, this is just a, a mini picture of, of reality, and maybe it's not on social media, but just in life in general. We're addicted to what people think, and that sways us and moves us, and it holds us captive and it keeps us from what God has for us. People are addicted and they have these giants of fear in their life, constantly worried, things that they can't control. Foundation of fear. They want to control everything but can't. That sometimes leads to other things like like depression. There's tons of bullies. I, I hate to even name some of these things. Because you're probably going, well, that's not me. That's not me. That's, you know, that's definitely not me. All of us have bullies, things that want to get in the way of what God has for us. And they create in our lives an atmosphere of defeat. There's, there's one huge area that no one wants to admit in this room, but there is a massive giant, and that's of, of lust and sexual addiction in the, in the house today. If we believe the percentages, and I believe there's somewhere true it is north of 50 percent of the people that struggle with that in this room that's a reality we are saturated with it in our our environment and our culture we are just it's just everywhere every turn every page everything is a, a temptation that's out there and that has a leash on some people in the room it's a huge huge giant some people it's just the i am in control i am in control i i, I remember when I was going to college, one of the rules, and I probably have told this story before, but one of the rules in our house is we could not watch radar movies in our house. Couldn't do it. And so when I went to college, uh, I, I didn't have, to, I have any problem with, with watching dirty movies. My problem was watching the raw-rated movies that were the raunchiest movies that you can find, okay? Because you know why? I could. I could. I had the choice. And I had an epiphany one day, and sometimes we need epiphanies when I was a youth pastor. And basically, I had that mindset, you know what, I can put anything in here, and it just gets filtered out automatically, right? Right? I mean, even, you know, adults, we have that disability to filter these things out. And a teenager comes up to me and says, hey, uh, 
did you see this movie? And it was one of those movies that you know that you shouldn't be watching. Was it X-rated? No, it wasn't X-rated, but there were some X-rated stuff in it. And you know what I did in that moment? I said, no, absolutely not. <laughs> I have not seen that movie. I lied straight to his face. And the conviction and the guilt that I felt in that moment, it was so strong. Because I knew in that moment, I didn't need to watch that stuff. You don't need to watch that stuff. We don't need to put that into our hearts and our lives because it pollutes our minds. It pollutes, pollutes our mouths and the way they react to people. Days go by and I'm just like, you know, you just feel the heat of conviction and the guilt. I, I, I obviously confessed and asked for forgiveness to God. And then I, I went to that kid and said, hey, I need to tell you something. Your youth pastor is not perfect. And I have seen that movie. And I, I blew it. Have you had that blow up moment before? Where you say, you know what I'm doing is wrong. I'm doing something that's wrong. And it just, it has a hold on, on your life. That moment for me was a catalyst to change. And, and I'm thankful for that. But there's some giants. And giants, they do things for us. They, bullies, they talk down to us. They make us feel defeated. They take away our witness in our life. They take away our joy. There's some people this morning that had this giant, this bully, that almost kept them from coming to church this morning because it's that feeling of, I don't want to go there. I know that that's in my heart and my life, and I, I, just, I just feel, I feel guilty when I'm there. I, I, don't, I don't want to feel that. But these biffs, they, they want to take over. They want to rule. Something happens, great part of this story. David comes on the scene. David comes on the scene, and David, he sees things differently, doesn't he? He sees things differently. To start with verse 26, it says this. He asks the question, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Now, first of all, this word disgrace, it, it's not just, you know, it's not a light word. It's a very heavy word. It means the condition of shame. It's the condition of shame. Uh, Dr. Brene Brown defines shame as this, as the intensely painful feeling that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of, of being loved, of loved, of being loved and belonging. Shame is not something that, that just I, I did, but shame is, is who I am. It's not I just did a bad thing, but I'm a bad person. I'm a bad person. That's what shame feels like. And shame corrodes the very part of us that believes that we are capable of change. And if we could all confess this morning, we've all felt guilt. We have all felt shame. That's what the evil one does. I'm not Dr. Phil, and I am not Phil Donahue, 80s reference. Uh, but the heart of most of these biffs are insecurities. There's fear of failure. There's hurts from the past. There's loneliness. There are things that, that we don't want, to know, want anyone to know about. And what the enemy is really good at is pulling out his wallet and showing us those pictures, isn't he? Those past failures. And at the heart of some of these biffs and these giants, that's the thing that's, that's there. But David, he sees things differently, doesn't he? I love this, this, this whole story. If we get into it, it says this. What will be done for this Philistine? We're in 26. Who can re and, and, that can remove this shame from Israel. And he says this. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? 
I remember the beginning of the story? Saul comes out. He says, I'm the champion. Bring on the champion. There's something that's happening here that's bigger than just who's the biggest, who's the strongest. What they believed in this story was that this moment was called the Battle of Champions. Back in the, the ancient East times, that there was this moment where if, if this happened, where one would come from each army, it wasn't a battle of who was the strongest of the army. We'll just send out our, our Hercules. This was actually representative of something much bigger, that the gods were coming down and they were fighting. And that God himself was the representative. It didn't really honestly matter who came out, but that it was between God and the gods of the other army. Something bigger is happening. And David saw that who would defy the armies of the living God? It's not about us, but it's about this God and his glory. There's a great uh, story in 1 Samuel chapter 5. And there's this story about how the Ark of the Covenant was stolen by the Philistines. There are the Philistines again. And the Ark is put in as they, the Philistines are excited about stealing this, this prized possession of, of the Lord's army. And, and here they put the Ark and actually represented the, the Spirit of God in this Ark. If you've seen Indiana Jones, Think Ark, um, right there. That's 80s reference too, isn't it? Bam, another one. Um, the Ark is in the room with this other god of the Philistines, Dagon, their big god. And what happened? Dagon is this huge statue. It's in the room. They leave the room for the night. They come back the next day. The statue of Dagon, it's on the ground. In the room with the Ark. There's nobody else in the room, okay? They go, hmm, I wonder how that happened. They, put, they work all day to get Dagon back up. And what happens the next night? They come in and the head of this statue, the arms, they were chopped off of a statue, cement statue, and it are just at the feet of the ark. They were so scared at that point, they sent the ark back. They were like, we captured it, we got it. Have it back, we don't want it, okay? Because when God goes up against other gods, our God wins. Our God wins. And that's the good news today. Jesus does not want you to be defeated. Jesus does not want the biffs in your life to rule. He does not want them to bring you down and to discourage you and to keep you from what God has for you. He doesn't want to keep you from, from witnessing to others because you feel so convicted about the own stuff in your own life. He wants to give you freedom. He wants to give you freedom from these leashes in your world. And here's the other twist of the story. And it, it's a great twist. And I know that we've heard this story a lot, a lot. As I've read the story more and more, I believe firmly that, that David in this story is not us. I don't know if you've ever done that. You put yourself in a story. When I heard the story growing up, I thought, oh, this is, I'm putting my round and round. I'm gonna, put, I'm gonna slay that giant. David in the story is not us. Jesus is David in the story. Do you see it? Jesus is the one. Who, where, did, where did David come from? He came from the fields of what city? Bethlehem, where he was a shepherd. And he comes sent by his father to this moment sent by his father Jesse 
sent by his father to come and represent? How long did this, this giant defy the, the, the army? 40 days. Now, I'm not a, a numerologist, but there are some significant numbers in the Bible. How long did Jesus prepare before his ministry? He would come on the scene and announce the kingdom of God is here. 40 days. How many years were they in the, the desert and, and just waiting to get into the promised land? 40 years. And who comes onto the scene but David to be triumphant? Because Jesus is the one that takes down the giants. Jesus is the one that takes down the Biffs. He took down the Biffs. He took down the evil one when he hung on a cross. And he did not stay on that cross. He didn't just stay in the tomb. And this is where we have victory, that he was risen again on the third day. He took on evil. He took on darkness. He took on sin. He took on your Biff and your giant, and he defeated them. He defeated them that day on the battlefield and defeated them on the cross. And that is who our Jesus is. So for us, and these are just four quick things I want us to know today. For us to defeat the giants, the biffs in your life, the first thing you have to know is this. You have to believe that God can take down the giant that you are facing. That God can take down the giant that you are facing. Gotta be honest, we can't do it. There are some things that we are, we're, honestly, we're weak. There are some weaknesses in our defense, in our lives, that we are, are powerless to, but our God can give us the victory. What is, what is in 1 Samuel 17, 45 through 47, it says this. David said to the Philistines, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and I will cut off your head. This very day I will give you the carcasses I will, I will give you the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel and all those gathered here will know that it is not by the sword or by the spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. Now what happens pre-battle? Saul tries to what? He tried to, tried to put armor on to David. Do you remember that scene? What did David say? No, I, I don't need that armor. And he goes out without anything. The first step is saying, God, it's your battle. Can I tell you the second step? The second step is this, is that we need to embrace vulnerability and admit our weaknesses. Now, weaknesses, we don't like to use that word. It really can be synonymous with this whole vulnerable. We don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to say that there's some giants in our lives. But to be honest, they're there. And just because we stuff them and we try to hide them, and we're really good at hiding them, doesn't mean that they don't exist, that these bullies are not in our lives. There's a, a phrase that you probably have heard before, but you're only as sick as your secrets and the secrets that you're stuffing but eventually these things will come to life. And God has called us to be vulnerable, to be honest, to admit that there's some things that, that, that we need help in. The next thing is this. If we wanna take down the biffs in our lives, we need to ask God this question. What do I do next? What's the next step? What's the next step? What do I need to do to, to, do, to get rid of this in my life? A friend of mine in Florida, 
admitted to me, came to me and said, hey, I've got this huge giant in my life. I am addicted to pornography. I've been hiding it. I've been going to church all my life, but I've been hiding it all my life. But I, I, I just has a leash on me. And I have prayed. I have prayed, God, take this, this from me. And I, I need help. I've asked for forgiveness. And he made that step of basically saying, that's the first step of saying, hey, I'm vulnerable. I need, I need help. What's the next step? I began to walk with him in this process. For him, the next step was he had to get rid of basically this TV in his house. He had to get rid of any opportunity that he had to put things into his heart, into his mind when no one else was around. He had to take an extreme step. If you want freedom, you might have to take some extreme steps. You might have to say to some friends, we can't hang out anymore because every time that we hang out, I just have this critical nature. Man, that was one for me. That was a giant for me if we're confessing today. I would come to church with a yellow just pad and I would just, and I just take my yellow pad everywhere with me. It was invisible. All the things that were wrong about everyone else. And I would just take notes. Well, this is, I would do this better. I would have said this. I would have done that. <laughs> Look at that. There's a, a part that I kind of threw out and I missed. There's the brother in the story. What does he say to David? What are you doing here? What are you doing? You're just a, you're, where should you be? You should be out back in that field with the sheep. You're, you're nothing. Why did he say that? You ever thought about that? Why did he say that? One chapter before, what happened? God chose David. He was passed over. Ever have that feeling of rejection? And that rejection leads to what? It leads to name calling. It leads to, hey, nothing wrong with me. Look at that person. Look at the stuff in their life. Critical spirit, nature, that it was there. But asking God, what's next? What is next? What do you want me to do to slay this, this biff, this giant? The last thing is this. If you want to take down the biffs in your life, you got to celebrate victories. Some of you in this room, if we just had an open form, you would say, you're not going to believe this, but I used to really struggle with this. Praise the Lord. God has helped me. He has helped me to get victory over this area in my life. Shocking. I love to hear shocking stories, I'm gonna be honest. Because it's like, there's no way. There's no way that I, I don't believe it. I know who you are, and I don't believe that was, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I love it. Because that's what God does for us. There's kind of a, a gory into this story. David, what does he do? Kills Goliath. You remember, and he does something a little tough for us to think about. He cuts Goliath's head off. And what the verses say is this, he continued to carry the head into battle. I wonder why he did that. I think two reasons. The enemy into our army. To our army. Victory. Victory. Victory is possible. Victory is here. Victory has happened. And you can have victory today.
you can have victory today. The biffs in your life need to go down. We're gonna sing a song and it's about being an overcomer. And that's what God has called us to be. Uh, Just invite you to check out the words and, and hear the story. Um, for 40 years I carried I kept this box in the closet way back in the back and it was called shame and um, I would be afraid that someone would find out there were things I couldn't tell anybody so I just keep pushing it a little further back and a little further back and I would go further back with it And I would try to love people as much as I could and make up for it by being what everybody thought I should be. And, um, but inside Satan was using that to just say, you're nothing, you're nobody. And when something would happen, I would just push further and further back. And it got to where, um, I'd open my eyes in the morning and say, Oh God, that was your perfect opportunity. It would have been great to wake up in heaven and be with you. And I just hated every morning when I woke up to know I'm still here and I got to deal with this stuff. And finally, um, God just kept saying, trust me, just trust me. It's going to be okay. You need to share your story. And I was at a ladies retreat and we had prayer time and, um, it went on for hours, literally. And I'd gone down and prayed and came back, and then God said, nope, you need to go get Chrissy. So I got Chrissy, and we went down to the altar, and I said, I got to tell you something, but I'm not so sure how you're going to feel and if you're going to love me when this is over. And so I told her, and she looked at me, and she goes, oh, Mom. She said, I could never hate you. She said, I'm just so sorry you had to go through this by yourself. <laughs> that was God's words, too. You didn't have to go through this by yourself. And then I told the ladies at, at a, one of our ladies' retreats, and I thought, this is it. I'm, I'd already been looking at other churches to go to because <laughs> I thought, I can't, I can't stay here. I'm going to be ashamed. I can't, I can't do this. And so... I shared it with those ladies, and at that retreat, I basically opened up that box. And you know what was in it? Absolutely nothing. There was nothing in there. Satan had held an empty box over my head for 40 years. And I was released, and and I'm a new person, and I'm happy to wake up in the mornings, and I have a God that provides. So I'm thankful for that. My name is Marla, and uh, I was powerless to overcome the giant of jealousy, but thanks to the uh, power and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, I have defeat. He defeated that giant for me. Amen. Amen. On my own, I can't battle um, my giant of insecurity, but with God's help, 
I fight that giant daily, and he gives me security in him. My giant was the critical spirit, the being petty, the gossipy person. And when I realized one day that we are all God's creatures, that he created each one of us in his likeness, I have never felt so much shame. I felt so defeated. But God just took that away from me. He's taken that criticalness out of me. And I look at people, I try to look at people through the eyes of Jesus because we are all wonderful in our own way. And I thank God for taking that giant from me. God wants to defeat the Biffs, the giants in your life. Can happen, can start right here. I believe it can happen with a prayer. Maybe it's a prayer today and a next step. What is the next thing, God, you have for me? I want to bring this giant down through your power. And maybe God has brought that giant down but you've been too afraid to share it. You've been too afraid to share it with someone else. When we do that, when we become a, a people, a community of believers that are allowing God to use us, then other people bring down giants as well. Let's leave the mask in the car and become the people who God has called us to be. Let's pray, and uh, we're gonna sing a song of victory. God, Lord, you're so good to us. Lord, thank you for giving us the victory. Lord, you are the one that gets the glory. You are the one that gets the praise and the honor. You are the one that did it all. You are the one that gives us the power, the strength to overcome. God, we thank you for the testimonies we've heard today. Lord, thank you for the testimonies that are represented around this room. We praise you and we give you honor for your grace and your mercy and your strength. Lord, I pray for the person today. Lord, the minute that we said giants, and when we said the giants seemed to come down, I didn't need to talk anymore about what they were. They knew what they were. They knew because they are living every day with the bully in their heart and their life. God, I pray right now as they hear my voice, Lord, that they would hear your voice, that they are loved, that you died for them. You have given them grace and forgiveness. It's right there. Lord, I pray that right now that across this room, Lord, as prayers are going up of just surrender and saying, Lord, I give you this giant. I give you this bully. Bring him down. Bring it down in my life. Lord, we give you those things right now. And Lord, we give you the victory. Lord, we thank you and we praise these, th pray these things in your name. Amen. Right now we're going to sing a song. It's Cornerstone. It's all about Jesus putting the cornerstone in our lives. It's through our weakness that he is strong. Let's sing this morning. Amen. He is Lord, Lord of all. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you about a couple things going on in the life of our church. Celebrate Recovery is going to move to Tuesday nights, 7 o'clock. Dinner starts at 6.30. Now, you guys, I think Celebrate Recovery kind of gets a bad rap sometimes because we think of uh, only people that have the worst addictions can go there. But it is truly a place where you can go if you have hurts, habits, or hangups. It's not just about the bad addictions, as we like to call them. It is a place for everyone. So I, I want you guys to to think about as you go this week, Matt's going to send us out. I'm not sending us out, but um, I want you to think about how the enemy 
loves, loves for us to keep things hidden from other people because then he can keep us down, right? But if you go and you tell somebody, you share it, there's victory in that. So I want you guys to think about this week, that this week. Um, Mops is coming soon. Amanda Padovan Moreno is working really hard to get that together. She needs volunteers. She cannot do it by herself. It's just two days a week. I mean, two days, twice a month. Sorry, twice a month for four hours. And if you are interested in helping out with Mops, um, see Amanda. It's going to be a great outreach for our community. We'll be able to help our neighbors, um, our moms, get through some of this the tough times that we all experience. And then Beth Moore, I know I gave her a hard time last week about her hair and her clothes, but we are going to have a simulcast here. She's going to be live, but she's going to be simulcasted here on September 13th. Beth is a great, great teacher. So ladies, bring your friends, come, enjoy. It starts at nine. I think it ends at four. Lunch is provided. It's $25. Um, So come to that. Have a great week. Matt's going to send us out. Yes, one other thing. You got these uh, blue things, cards on your your chair. The staff here at HFC, we felt the peer pressure from Wilburn Elementary, the principal. I told myself I would not be the person that does the ALS challenge. Now because the ALS challenge, the ice bucket challenge isn't a good thing. It's a great thing, but just posting a video, I just, uh, but as a staff, we took it on and we took it to the next level, a different level, if you will, another cause. Right now, there are kids that are needing food on the border in this crisis that we're going through as a church. And we need to be a church that steps up and say, hey, those kids, we need to help them. We need to help them. We challenged through this ice bucket challenge, we challenged some other churches to get some crisis care kits. And we basically are kind of in this uh, toe-to-toe with some other churches. And so we're asking you to say, hey, to, to come up with these awesome care kits. They're going to help kids on the border. Have a great week. Don't forget, get your 80s on next Sunday, okay? See you next week.